What's up, world? You are now listening to another episode of the Power Post Game Report, where we recap each and every episode of Power Season 2, Book 2, Ghost. I, of course, am always one of your hosts, Triple D, and with me, as always, is... This is Carlos D. What's good, my man? Not much, man. I'm ready to get into this one. This was, this is how you do your uh, your mid-season finale uh, send-off show. Um, this was... Yeah. Me fumbling over my words, uh, more excited than usual. Um, how are you, man? Man, I can't complain. I'm, I'm with you. I'm ready to get into this one. This was a probably the best episode, if not uh, definitely of this season, but maybe of the entire series. Um, I mean, just had you a lot of twists and turns, had a lot of guessing, a lot of action, a lot of surprises. So, I mean, I'm ready to get into this one. This was. Like I said, part of the best episode of the of the year. I hear that. Um, this is episode five, coming home to roost. Like I said, this is the and you know makes sense that they would take a break for uh, Christmas and New Year's. Uh, the next episode won't be out for they said I believe it said two weeks. Yeah, so I'm assuming miss this week and then they'll come back the day after the top of the year, whenever the January so. January second. Yeah, and I like this better than um. You know how they normally give us like that break after like episode eight, uh-huh. and they may still do that. You never know these sneaky people, but I I prefer <laughs> that they do it like in the middle instead of waiting till we get to like almost the climax and then you right. kind of drag it out. Right. And like I said, and I think they're doing it to set up so when this ends, it goes straight into Tommy. So I think I saw Tommy starts on February, whatever that first Sunday in February. I think is Tommy's debut or power, whatever it's called. definitely looking forward to that as well um but yeah this this was i'm right there with you this is definitely the best episode of the season and quite possibly of the of the series um up to this point uh i you know it's power so it still had it's few little you know like are you serious where did that come from moments of course as far as writing but this episode was so strong and it gave us a lot I was, no, I'm not going to say I was willing to forgive it, but I was willing to look the other way just a little bit. All right. So that being said, you ready to dive in? Yeah, man. Let's get it. Let's get to it. Zeke is on his way to the precinct to turn himself in, in a, what, a stretch SUV limo, mm-hmm. which I, th- I thought was a bit much, but you know, it is what it is. Um, and he gets his words of encouragement from Monet. And rightfully, who's like, look, you're not in control of this as, as much as you think you are, which I think was a perfect line for him, a perfect bit of dialogue between the both of them to set up her her journey throughout this episode. Um, this leads way to the, the immediate swerve, which to a point, it, they delivered it so well, I've forgotten that, yeah, with them finding Ramirez's body, there's literally no reason for them to look at Zeke anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Reasonable. The reasonable police. Obviously not Detective Dickman. Uh, how did you feel about the, the intro into the swerve? Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was also funny. Uh, Davis was like, we're going to sneak you in the back door to be like inconspicuous, but you pulling up in this giant stretch limo <laughs> for some unknown reason. Like, right. who takes a limo to jail? <laughs> like, it's right. the prom. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think so you, 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 you kind of described it perfectly. 
the fact when the, his comments in Monet about not being in control or, or not having this control does set up her journey throughout the rest of this episode when she sees even though she's thinks she's has been in total control especially of her family how little control she really has over these people how they are starting to go against her start to do their own thing you know independent of her and behind her back and while she thought she had everything on lockdown she really is lost when it comes to uh how to do her business how to control her family and how to just kind of keep everybody safe which is kind of what her what her her if you look at her is just kind of like eliminate all the other stuff that's supposed to be her goal keeping right. his family safe and keeping his family protected and, and she really has little control over that Exactly. So, speaking of uh, not having control over people underneath you, uh, shout out to Detective Tate going toe to toe with uh, with Whitman, and just been like, "Look, I'm good at my job. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't good at my job. Stop talking over me. Stop cutting me off, and listen to what I have to say." And pretty much shutting them down. Like, like, look, your your bullshit theory isn't working, and we, I have something that's a little more uh, solid. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about that? I think that was a great moment for for uh, Kamal Tate because it they kind of touched on it, you know, when he's introduced as being his his new partner or whatever. But this was like kind of the okay, we don't we only got ten episodes, we don't have a lot of time to do a bunch of back and forth in. So I'm gonna shut you down now, and you gonna you gonna learn to respect me one way or another. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I look at what he's standing up for himself because this cop detective has been kind of a dick uh, but I saw the cop's point of view as well um, okay we we he, we not going to call him right now he may not be a suspect at this moment but I'm not going to give any suspect in a bunch of information that they don't need to know and I think Tate was speaking a little bit too much when he started explaining everything to a lawyer and also to who had at that point been your prime suspect they don't need to know all that other stuff all you need to let them know is Hey, uh, you're not a suspect anymore. We're not gonna hold you anymore, and you're free to go. Um, so, I, I, of course, I'm always gonna applaud somebody standing up for themselves. Um, but I also think that Tate is a little bit overzealous at times, um, trying to prove himself in his new job. That he is not, um, kind of grasping all the aspects of it, because he, you know, he was a plain clothes cop, and then all of a sudden being a, a detective or an inspector is a lot different job than when you're just a plain coat, plain coat, plain clothes cop, kind of working a beat. Um, so, you know, of course I respect his standing up for itself, but I'm also looking at him like, Hey, dial it back a little bit. Cause you're giving out a little bit too much information that you don't need to give to, especially when you still don't know who is p- possibly involved in this murder right now. You you think it's not Zeke anymore. You think we should start looking at other angles, but Zeke does have a lot of things that connect him to it. And he could possibly still be involved. So stop. Don't try to give him a get out of jail free card or give him too much information that could possibly lead to his exoneration if he is involved. I mean, we know as viewers, he's not involved, but he doesn't know that as in as a, as a character in the show. Okay. I agree. Definitely agree. And I'm sometimes I, I can kind of see exactly what you're saying, and I can't tell if that's writing or if that's the actor's delivery. Um, because he does go from like, not even zero to 100. It's more like like 95 to 105 like he, he's he's kind of constantly on high mm-hmm. uh, he get a, he gets a few scenes where he's down low but those are usually with professor milgram um so meanwhile on the campus we get pretty much Bra- no, excuse me we get Tariq and brayden pretty much keeping them each other in the dark uh, about things that they probably need to discuss even though it, you know 
a lot of times I think Tariq's thing is if Brayden don't know, he can't say anything. Whereas if Brayden is like, yeah, I've been having a good time, you know, doing the street shit with Kane, but Tariq definitely doesn't want us to be a part of this. So, you know, he could also be, no, no, Brayden's not, not always, that's not his first thought. Brayden's first thought is not to be like, if, if Tariq doesn't know, he can't say anything. Brayden is, you told me not to do this and I did it behind your back anyway. And I, I still need you to trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, any any thoughts on that little quick exchange? Uh, no, I mean, I think this is something that, that kind of echoes what happened in the original series with Ghost and Tommy. And I mm-hmm. think they just kind of repeat it in this one where they, they trust each other, they love each other, they are each other's brothers and support system, but only to an certain extent. And they're not going to give that full trust to each other um, because they, they want to have something. On, I don't know if, if wanting to have something on the other one is right, but they want to maintain some type of control over the other person or some type of, you know, balance with them. Um, but I think it's detrimental. And we see that it's detrimental throughout the course of this episode, because if and we'll, and we'll you know, because we'll, but if, if they had both been honest with each other, the ending might not have happened the way it happened. Right. Um, so I, I think that kind of echoes back to the original series, which I which I, I'm seeing a pattern within this episode, um, especially in this season where they kind of dial back into some of the themes of the original um, show, just with new characters, right? Um, which this is this could easily be us doing the work for them, but uh, one of those you know if you don't those who don't learn the history are doomed to repeat it sort of scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we also get, while speaking of the campus, uh, we get Monet giving Professor Milgram her, without, you know, for lack of a better term, get out of jail free card. Like, okay, the situation is handled, and now we need to cut ties. Like, all of us. You don't know me, I don't know you. Leave Zeke alone. Don't, you know, don't do anything else. Go back to life as a normal civilian while I'm giving you the opportunity to do so. Um, which which I was like, cool, because she, she definitely kind of needs that break. However, the detectives immediately pull her right back in because they want more info. Um, and she was she was fine with walking out, but, you know, Detective Tate, he kind of spoke to her, at least to her heart, as mm-hmm. far as, you know, trying to get a get a suspect for the murder. Um, any thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I'm ready for somebody to punch Monet in the face, though. I mean, I'm tired of her bullying like <laughs> literally everybody on this show. And I mean, in this episode, she kind of finally get people standing up to her a little bit. But I'm yeah. just tired of her like constantly bullying people, and nobody does anything to stop her. And I get it, you know, she's this ruthless killer, and she's killed people and hurt people and ripped ears off. But I'm ready for somebody to kind of like look. At some point, somebody got to smack Monet back. Um, as far as the thing. I mean, Carrie didn't really do a good job of trying to get out. Like, it didn't take much talking, much getting used to to get her right back into the mix of it all. Um, and I think ultimately that's going to be on something is going to come back to bite her in the end. Because oh, yeah. uh, she's been given a lot of chance to get out of this situation. Uh, but she keeps kind of finding a way, digging herself back into it. And, and each time she comes back to it, it's a little bit deeper. Um, so I think that might end up being her downfall. Like, it was Reynolds' downfall. He couldn't leave Tariq alone. Um, she's not necessarily involved with Tariq, but she's steadily involved in messiness. Right. And I think that message is going to come back and bite her at some point. Right. So, and we'll, you know, it'll obviously come back up later, but this was the point where they give her a copy of Jabari's, I guess, uh, his manuscript mm-hmm. um, of the story that he was getting ready to write. 
or he was working on, I should say. Um, so speaking of more of Monet, uh, we get a moment with her and Mecca. And Mecca was playing hardball. He's like, look, I like you and I want you. You and your kids. And she got yes. a lot of kids. Like, even the ones that ain't mine, I will take care of them. Which adds a whole nother level of, is this dude just a sociopath? Or does he genuinely love Monet? Because you can't be Mr. Crazy <laughs> import-export guy um, ordering hits on people and beating people up and choking people out on their birthday, but also talking this White House and Picket Fence stuff with Monet. Like, it just... It just feels a little too much. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they feel like two different characters he's playing. Um, uh, but, yeah, like I said, playing hardball. Mm -hmm. I, I'll set up a trust fund for you and all your kids, all them. And he had it um, written out. It wasn't like he was just yeah, saying it. He had, like, he, illegal documents. It was already, yeah, it was already written up. Like, geez, this, okay. Uh, I'm sure... Somewhere Burberry Q was giving his nod of approval. Like, yes, too fast, too soon. That's how we do it. Um, and he told her, I'm not leaving New York without you. Mm -hmm. Which I was like, wow, that's tough. Right. How did you feel about that scene? Uh, before we get to it, I think we got to backtrack. Just, you know, I ain't going to take a lot of time on this. But this show is very confusing. And I think last week when we ended the episode, we both thought he was talking about Kane. Was his yeah. son and not Zeke. You were absolutely right. Uh, so I, uh, you know, we were wrong, definitely. But I, I can't. I don't. We both two smart, college-educated people. I think the problem is this show and its writing, because they make it seem like Zeke is a high school basketball phenomenon who was a freshman in in, in college, but now they say Mecca is his father and he hasn't seen Monet in twenty-four years. So that's that's what threw me off, and that's why I was confused. Is like how is Zeke the kid if he's a freshman? Um, but now we know that Zeke is the son. Uh, as far as this, I, I, I agree with you. Um, but I think I think this is true with a lot of psychopaths or, or a lot of sociopaths, where they can um, be crazy and doing one thing one minute and then seem like a perfectly normal and calm person the next. You see it especially a lot with like um, you know you have, you hear like serial killers or see serial killers, killer curious story killer stories and then they always like oh he was a nice guy he had a family and all this type of stuff so it's possible to be like this crazy nut job on one end and then also be like a, at least on paper like a sane normal businessman on the other end um, we see it throughout all these drug dealing shows Ghost was a, Ghost was the same you know he had a family at home he had three kids that he loved and a nice businessman but he would put a button in somebody's head in two seconds um, so I think that's kind of like a trait of people who kind of run in these fields um, so I don't know if he if if what he feels for Monet could be considered like true love or like really love or a person who demonstrates these other behaviors that they can kill so quickly can truly love anybody. But I think in his eyes, it is um, or, 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 or that's what it feels like. But I think it's also showing his controlling tendencies because he won't let her say no to him. Just like he won't say let people say no to him in business. So he has to dominate people in all that aspect of his life. I think it's the same thing with him. So I think he may have at one point when he's a kid loved her, and I think he's holding on to that. Um, but I think he more wants to control her as opposed to really make her his partner, because it's all about sh shutting her down. So you don't have to be hustling no more. You can be right. kind of my trophy, I, and I think that's what he sees her more of than really the love of his life. It's a very good, very good observation, especially with you know the the callback to Ghost and just how 
the regular sociopaths live. Um, a whole lot of charm mm-hmm. and a ton of violence behind it. And, and that's how they can be. One minute they be charming and laughing and make you laugh, and next minute they done punch you in the face, and then you right. don't even understand why. As he demonstrates later yeah. on in the episode. So we go to our classroom, or, you know, we have to have our weekly discussion. And this one was about karma. And this is where the writing just kind of like, it's like, okay, we got to streamline this. Um, At first, I was like, it's a little strange that, that she went, not only did she go straight after Tariq, but like she was, she was attacking Tariq, Mm -hmm. which was like completely out of character for her. Um, And we find out a little later just to jump ahead a bit that somehow after reading his manuscript off screen, of course, she put it all together that it is all about Tariq and Tariq is involved, which I was like, damn, it took her two minutes. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, one night of reading. Yeah. I was like, if this is what it is, you probably don't need to be teaching. You need to be like Olivia Pope for real. Cause like, wow. And then, and it, unfortunately it like, it initiated a character change in her from my point of view um because she's not she's not in the um she's not in the soap opera anymore she's now in the show and just to get it out get this thought out there now as the show progresses she's she's now in the show but she's not necessarily professor milgram anymore she is professor milgram but she's angie valdez um hmm. she's she's sweet and affectionate to, to these marks, Lauren, and she's, you know, being just as nice and inviting to, but manipulative and persuasive to get what she wants. And I was just like, I'm glad she finally joined us on the show, but who the hell is this? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I was calling her Olivia Pope last week, but she gave me straight up Angie Valdez in this one. When she, when she found out who ghost was and she was, you know, trying to get at him without him knowing fully that it, she knew. Right. Um, so how did you feel about the, the classroom karma scene? Oh, yeah. Like I said, it was definitely very much out of her character. Uh, you know, I know if she is leading a debate, but she was like really zoning on Tariq and trying to make an example of him. I don't know if the goal was to make him feel bad or make him... Like, I don't understand what her end game was in this particular situation. He not going to confess to whatever he did in the middle of class just because you keep yelling at him about what karma is and how karma is going to get you if you do bad things to people. Um, so I didn't really understand her game plan when it came to that. Um, but I guess it was just built up rage that she couldn't, she must have just recently learned about, I guess, the book or finished reading the book. And then it was just kind of displaced rage. She didn't know what to do with it. So the best she could do at that moment was kind of yell at Tariq. And that's what she kind of did. Um, and I, th- I, th- I, th- I think it did trigger like this, a switch in her character and I hope it's for the better where she's gone from just being like this damsel and this sex fiend um, soap opera woman that they played around to to being somebody who is using her mind who is um, not just kind of being passive in her and in, in, you know passive passive in her life in the sense that waiting for some guy to do something or somebody to tell her to do something she just kind of was kind of being aggressive and forefront herself um, so I hope that's going to be like a long term change for her uh, because I, you know, the way the character was written for the first year and yeah. four episodes, I, I couldn't, you know, I'm always saying we need to get rid of her and I can't tolerate her, but if they can find a way to kind of mold her into a better character, maybe I wouldn't be upset with keeping her around. But I think before the end of the season, she either is going to leave town or she going to end up in a body bag as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, without without a doubt, that was like another part of my notes. Um, I was like, she okay, she puts that together super fast. She's as good as dead, um, because there's no there's no need for her anymore, and she clearly knows too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so either she's gonna mess around and end up in Witsec, or they she gonna go the way of Jabari. Because I was like, yeah, she found out a lot. She's already in bad with Monet, even though Monet gave her the pass. Um, she, at, at some point, it's going to come to light that she's been helping them out. Um, but yeah, it, it was super left field. Um, so speaking of left field, we get Tariq leaving his class with uh, with Lauren. And uh, Monet is standing on the, on, the, on the campus like the boogeyman, mm-hmm. which that was aggressive but you know she's been aggressive um she won't answer she wants to you know she she forces the the truth out of Tariq uh and his you know his logic was was sound like look I could have told you but like then especially you were super you know trigger happy like I'm trying to you know keep myself alive out here uh but she wants answers she wants to know who the connect is um and then just left them like, damn, like another another ride reference where they, they just do this kid dirty on the transportation. And <laughs> she referenced the two five or like that. Now I was like, now they just being petty. It's bad that they yeah. make him meet places far out of the way. Now she purposely took him from his home to God knows where it and told him to find his way home. Exactly. And then it, it um, I think, you know, of course, you know, gunning in her lap, like always, always threatening to shoot somebody. But I think the fact that she, and I, I, you know, I think they kind of, and we're going to talk about when we get to that scene, uh, but the fact that she's always riding around with that gun on her lap, I, I, I knew at some point it's not going to work anymore because she's constantly, like, especially in, intimidating people with these threats, but she never really seems to do anything to the people that she's kind of doing it to because they main characters. Like, she's always trying to shoot her son. She's always trying to sh- threaten Tariq, but we know she's not, she not going to shoot her. And I think he finally realized, yo, this woman ain't going to shoot me. At some point, she needs me more than I need. She need I. She needs me as much as I need her. And we see in the later scene, he's like, uh, "Enough is enough with this." Like, how how many times you gonna have me at gunpoint? You know, right? We 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 partners in this, not necessarily you always trying to intimidate me. And he understands you. You know, she she's you know, quote unquote the boss, so she has to use some type of factors to intimidate her. But I think I need her to come up with something different. Yeah. Um, other than gun on lap, gun on lap. Speaking of Kane, everything's coming up Kane in this episode for the most part. He was playing both sides, and just when he thinks he's about to get it worse from his mom, uh, she was like, "Look, you everything he said, he you know he told the truth on everything, but I need to control him. So I need you to figure out how I can control him." And like I said, everything's coming up Kane. Like he was, he he made out like a bandit in this first half of the uh, episode. Um, I also like the fact that he's still playing things close to the vest because I just knew he was going to be like, oh, his uh, his white boy bestie. Like, that's our way in. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he he made it a point to keep that lane to himself and was like, okay, let me, let me see what else I can find. Um, this, of course, is when he still thinks he's a uh, – he still thinks he's on her good side to a degree. Right. Um, any any Kane thoughts on that? I mean, just, just real quick on thing, Kane in general, like you were saying, I think he is really kind of to um, blossom as a character. Like, I think in season one, they hit him really just a one-dimensional high head, kind of like, you know, the goon. But I think now they're showcasing that he does have some leadership qualities 
because he, um, you know, he still needs direction because he's still being guided by Mecca or he's still being guided by his mom. Um, but he's starting to think more like a leader instead of somebody who's just like a goon or a nut job or who doesn't think and is just a hothead. Um, and I think we see that we've seen it throughout the last couple of episodes and we see it in this scene, like what you're talking about, because he could have just blurted out, hey, I already got it in. I already been getting it in with the white boy who I know is a weakness. But instead of he held on to that and then tried to find and then and ultimately also succeeded in finding another way to get closer yep. to Tariq or, for, or find Tariq's weakness. So Kane is, is definitely turning more from a, a pawn or, or a soldier in the game to, to kind of level up to be a general. So I, yep. I, I like to see where that's going to go. So from there, uh, just when you think, you know, Carrie's got it all figured out, immediately, Lauren can't do it. She doesn't want to wear the wire anymore. Like, she she, she understands the situation, and it's just like, look, I don't think I can do this. But again, and like I said, this, it was this scene in particular that I was like, she's Angie Valdez. This is her flipping... Um, whatever the dude from way back when that was seeing um the other premieres uh, like super underage daughter like she she was playing dirty and pretty much lied to lauren that like no 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 it's not involved um brayden i think it's brayden so like let's get info on brayden to mm -hmm. help Tariq. which i was just like yeah you're you're your angie valdez <laughs> transformation is complete um, any any thoughts on that with Milgram playing dirty? No, no, I, I I just agree with you. I think this is this showed her growth as a character, um, and maybe take a little bit more serious as a character moving forward. Um, and I feel bad for poor Lauren. Um, yeah. You know, like I said, and I, I'm trying not to be, you know, hard on these kids because, like you were telling me last week, in their world, these are kids who never been in no trouble, never been involved in no street stuff. They just kind of college kids, just trying to, you know. Probably the worst thing that ever happens to them is they may got a speeding ticket or something like that. Um, so they don't know the ins and out of this game. Um, so I, I feel bad for her. And I think a lot of this is really like stressing her out. Um, but I also feel it's kind of bad that she was so quickly be willing to give up Brayden. Brayden has never been anything neg negative to her. Um, so why is she so quick to mess Brayden over? Uh, so I'm trying to kind of get into the mindset of Lauren as well. Because she's very... Nice, sweet girl next door, but I think it's a dark side to her too that may come out at some point. That's possible. Um, Especially when I she, my bad, I mean to interrupt. Especially when she talks about also her brother and his mental yes. illness. That normally kind of runs in the family. She may not have a severe case, but I want to see what's going to happen when she's pushed to the wall. Yeah. I I think, and from there, their few interactions, I think her view of Brayden is just like just another rich white boy who, who who's always going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think like she she kind of tossed his name out so whimsical, whimsically, whimsically, yeah, lackadaisy. Um, like it's a white boy doing white boy things. Um, you know my my guy knows him, but I don't think he's to her point of view. Like I I don't think he's in on it. Like if you want to get the white boy, go ahead and get the white boy. Like you're not gonna keep him because he's a Weston. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So I don't think she has anything necessarily against Brayden, but she just sees him as another, just another white boy skating by on, you know, family money. Mm -hmm. um, but speaking of those two, go ahead and go ahead and give your rundown on that interaction between Brayden, Lauren and Kane. <laughs> this was like the funniest and weirdest uh, interaction I've, uh, I've ever seen. Kane and his weird, I don't know if that's flirting he was trying to do or what it was. 
<laughs> but he was just making like the weirdest and oddest comments. Um, I forgot. Braden was doing something. Uh, I, I think he was just kind of deflect. Um, so as much as is, uh, you know, Lauren was, you know, I, I don't. I think Lauren's the point they shouldn't have sent her, her there. What I guess they didn't really send her there. They didn't say go out and try to get evidence, but they 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 kind of given her like not enough information for her to kind of really make a mindset. And now she's kind of like naive to this type of stuff. Uh, but I think Braden was like trying to de-escalate the situation. Kane was doing his weird flirting, and then Lauren was just being awkward and weird um, because you know she she's trying to get. Braden to say something, but she doesn't know anything that he's actually done, or even know the correct techniques to get it done. So it just made it kind of awkward on her on her side of it. What do you think of it? Uh, pretty much the same. Like it, I think it was it, while an entertaining scene, um, and it was you know Kane getting to be kind of slimeballish. Um, I'm glad that they didn't do like the kind of easy tropey thing of like, oh, I'm gonna you know making making Lauren seem a bit interested in. In pain or anything like that. Oh yeah, she shut that shit like down. That. She was like, "Boy, yeah," which I was I was happy about. Um, I also appreciate Brayden being like, "Dude, like, yeah, that shit wasn't cool. Like, you hitting on my." But also, he wasn't trying to to let her let him know. He wasn't trying to let Kane know that that's Tariq's girl because he knows Kane is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he did a good job of trying to you know keep things. Uh, to a minimum, even though she did, un, she did accidentally kind of let it slip. Even though she didn't know that uh, he he ran, he went off with uh, his aunt, which you know she was piecing stuff together too. Like, oh, that's your aunt, huh? Like, so she, that's his, that's Zeke's aunt, but that's your mom, right? Mm. So she was also, you know, getting info as well. Um, but I, I hope not. They don't use her as a tool to get it to reek. I mean, they're going to, but like, I hope they don't force the uh the physical violence um against her card um but we shall see how that goes um so we get mecca playing the crap out of kane um telling him like look your mom needs you and you need to make sure that you're the only choice and not Tariq." um and what did he yeah it, it was pretty much that he gave him like kind of some marching orders or like make sure that she she can only look to you she can only depend on you right i think he said make make her make sure he even told him he was indispensable or to try to make himself indispensable um that's what he told him um i mean i'm curious what what do you think they're going with this because i'm assuming when mecca met kane he already knew that he was monet's son so what do you think mecca is doing in this is he trying to get close to kane in advance so when they find out that he's taking his mom. Kane may be still loyal to him or cool with him. Is he setting Kane to just so get Kane out of the way? What What do you think they're going with this story between Mecca being like Kane, Kane being Mecca's protege? I think, I think he's trying to get in good with him on a general basis. Um, but I think that when it comes to light, and I, obviously with what we know at the end of this episode. Uh, there there will be battle lines but i think up to that point i think when it comes to light i think he was he was trying to get in good with him but also instill enough fear into him that if your mom chooses me you better not say shit about it because you've seen you've seen how i get down mm-hmm. and i have no problem taking you know getting you up out of here if you know if push comes to shove um 
that that's where I think it I think it was but I mean I'm battle lines are going to be drawn pretty soon because it's going to come out um so we get Diana coming into her character a bit more and playing both sides uh we get Tariq pleading this case to Diana like look I need some like a bit of product to get some money for my sister in this apartment and she does and this was very well executed like visually she immediately goes and tells uh <laughs> Kane which I was like damn that that feels shady but why should she be that loyal to Tariq I mean he's already expressed no no you know definite like romantic interest but I do feel like he does care about her like he knows the situation that she's in mm -hmm. um and I do think that, like, yeah, it's not there romantically like that with him or for him, I should say. But I think he does genuinely, like, care about her. Like, look, you, you're kind of in a jacked up situation. I'm also in a jacked up situation. Like, you know, I, I got you and I mean that. Uh, what, how did you feel about that? Yeah, I'm, I think we I, I'm, I think I misread the scene different than you because I don't think she was being shady because Tariq told her to get the product from from Kane. Um, so uh, he, I don't think he made it seem like it was a secret or. She shouldn't do everything she could to get it from Kane, because he told her that's. I think she told him that's where I got to get it from, and he said, "Well, do what you got to do." And then, I think he made she made him a promise. So maybe I'm misreading the scene. I don't think she was being shady, personally. I mean, not necessarily shady. I I just had that she was playing hardball, uh, especially like when she went to Kane and was like, "Well, I'm gonna tell mom that you were the one that stole the product and right. replaced it," uh, which I didn't expect her to. to drop oh, you mean that knowledge shady to Kane or shady to Tariq? Not even shady, just playing hardball with these motherfuckers. Like, well, I remember Tariq was pleading his case, and she was like, "Okay, um, I'll help you, but you gonna help me." Exactly, and I yeah, think I she just like being her mother's daughter at this point. She yeah, finally taking them tools that Monet taught her, and instead of just being Monet, Monet using it to be Monet's lackey, she's trying to ball, like I think all of the Sahara children in different ways are starting to become independent and kind of being their own boss. Right, and I think this is just her way of doing it. Like she. You know, she ain't as tough as Kane. Uh, she, you know, she she's just not a guy by default like Drew is. Because I don't know what technically what Drew's kind of role is in the family is right now. Um, and I think people always going to look less at her because she's a woman in a kind of male dominated game. So I think she's finally just using what she can to influence her life as much as possible. Because so much of it is still controlled by Monet. The parts that she can feel like a boss or feel like she's in power or control, she's going to take those opportunities. And that's exactly what she did with Tariq when she did a quid pro quo for helping him out. She needs something. And the same thing when she did when she couldn't, you know, she can't physically force Kane to do something. But if she has a way to control him, she's going to use that control. And I think it's more her coming into her her character or her future as it relates to this show. Yeah, I, it was a it was a nice change of pace. And that's that's kind of what I was trying to illustrate that. Mm -hmm for her character up to that point like it was a it was a 180 to a degree like she turned up the heat like no no like i'm the one calling the shots in mm -hmm. this conversation right now which i thought was a good change of pace for her yeah because up until um, the past couple of weeks she's been just kind of mama told me to do something i do it right um i was just shocked that she played she she played the um I'm going to tell mom that it was you mm -hmm. and well, and the fact that she told Tariq. Um, I was, I thought she was going to hold on to that card a little bit longer, but again, we only got 10 episodes and clearly, you know, we gloss over stuff. Yeah. Us being them. Uh, we get a quick call while Monet is in 
in the, you know at the visitation seeing Lorenzo from Saks, uh, which I would have liked to seen how I would like to seen a little more development in it as opposed to what we got at the end in regards to that situation yeah and that phone call well at some point they're gonna have to explain yeah. the end I mean, based off of that yeah, like, like I mean I kinda, we know some of it we know it was a corrupt yeah. even prosecutor or corrupt I can't remember it was a corrupt prosecutor or corrupt judge so that was the way in but I, outside of that, I love these scenes where they make it seem like Lorenzo is just like the bosses of all bosses because he's in jail and just gets a cell phone call, doesn't hide the phone, doesn't do anything, just answers the phone like he's like in his office at home. So I just right. think that's badass shit when people, um, you know, can have that kind of influence. Um, so that was my favorite part of the scene. My bad that we I kind of took it off what we were talking oh, about. No, 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 you're good. <laughs> You're good because it did seem a bit. I kind of miss the other scenes where they, the other illustration to that, where they would have him in there, like just chilling with people. Right, he know. had beer cans, he was drinking, right. yeah, all that type of shit. Great and then the way he dismissed his wife. Oh man, that he was, was very dismissive to her. That lately. was like nailing the coffin almost for her, because uh, she was like, "Are you serious? Like I came down here to visit you, and you're gonna take a phone call over me? Like you're in jail with a phone, you can take that call whenever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?" And, um, and she's supposed to be supposedly handles his business on the street. So what business could he? So if he got to keep her away from it, then if I'm her, I'm thinking he's doing something shady behind my back. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I was saying like I, I kind of you know I missed the scenes where he, he was just in the prison flexing his muscle. But mm-hmm. thinking about COVID, they you know they probably want to keep keep the uh, the extras uh, down to a minimum. I.e. every campus scene, there's usually no more than 20 people on the screen uh, at once. Um, so we get a quick, a quick, uh, quick little event of Braden dropping off the, the, was it the drugs or the money? He was giving the money to Kane for the product Tariq was getting to right. help his sister. Right. And we get Kane driving that wedge further and further in between the two of them. Because, you know, and it's like you, you could see Braden getting a little frustrated, but also it's like I can't feel for you that much because you're also now participating in keeping secrets from him. Uh-huh. So it's like, yeah, you'd be a little upset, but you're doing the same thing. Um, This would turn into Tariq pretty much using that drop as a as a a, a cover to, you know to tail Kane and get that info that Monet demanded of him. She wanted the name of the supplier and more info. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, Tariq a whole fuck boy. He didn't took her car. Talk about some, hey, thanks for letting me borrow your car to do this stuff. When clearly he ain't doing it. He's clearly out here engaging in dirt in her whip. I was like, mm-hmm. damn it. Um, speaking of continuity, uh, they just completely glossed over the fact that Braden's whip was shot up just last week. He could have got it fixed. You know, he rich. All right. This is true. No questions asked. I feel like he would have probably just got a whole new car, though. Well, his parents kind of gave him the car. Right. But I didn't notice. I was like, yeah, that would definitely... At first, I thought they had purposely parked it the way they had parked it so you couldn't see the passenger side. But then they showed the scene later when he was driving off that it was fixed. So I thought that's why at first I was like, oh, that's smart. They uh, purposely filmed it away so the car's doors isn't showing. But then they showed driving off. So I don't know if the first scene was as smart as I thought it was. Oh, man. Uh, so he, he does a good job of tailing, and he's good up until the point <laughs> where 
he he gets caught. Old boy Nuff just pops out of thin air. <laughs> Why was he even out there? Exactly. Like that. I mean, it was your birthday two weeks ago. Now you got to stand outside and watch the street mm-hmm. for random people. Because it wasn't it. Was it a, what was it like a condo? Was it like a penthouse? Yes, yeah, the penthouse where they had the party. The same place where the you know they've been showing Mackie and Kane scenes before. Um, and I guess Tariq was trying to get to the the, the punch code or something. And uh, Nuff came out the shadows. I don't know if he was on sentry duty. He was coming back from the store or what. Uh, but he, he commences to start whooping Tariq's ass. Tragic. And this is when we um, saw one of your theories. Uh, yep. You already said that chef wasn't just no damn chef. You said he was, you know, he was really an intricate part of the operation. And we saw here when uh, he wasn't acting like no chef. He was demanding that um, Kane... Tell us who this boy is, if he know him. Do he know him? Like, he he was acting like a boss in that moment and not just yeah. the hired help or not just the cook. Yeah. He's definitely coming off as more of a lieutenant than, you know, just the, the guy that kind of manages the place like a an aggressive-ass butler or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, for, and, again, th- like I was like I spoke on earlier, this was the the balance between the balancing act of a sociopath where he's he's clearly like upset but again calm and collected and with a little bit of a nod the littlest of a nod he instructs i guess we need to learn the chef's name before he kills us um <laughs> he gives him the gives him the go ahead and he just no more enough his, yeah waste the shrimp uh, that's what that's what that made me mad because he was in there making that sushi. That sushi was probably gonna look good, taste good. And they gotta throw all that away. I was yep. I was truly mad when they, when he bled all into the ice. <laughs> right, and I was like, ain't nobody gonna do nothing. Like he, he told you to pick it up, Mister uh, Bartender slash Sushi Slash slash Assassin. Like yeah, he he, he all, all in one. He was probably ordering DoorDash because <laughs> dinner was ruined. Um. Why don't you get into uh, my notes? Say meth and red. <laughs> you know, I mean, you laughing right, but I, I, I enjoyed this scene. This was a good yeah. scene to me, man. Oh yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, we, like at some point, I'm sure we're gonna get the full backstory as to how the brother ended up in jail and and, and all the story. But I, I love that he was really caring for his brother and um, looking out for his brother. When I'm talking about, I don't know, I can't remember his name, Red Man to Method Man. When he was like, the brother was like, I'm trying to get you out of here. I want you out of here. But the but he told him in return, I don't want you doing something to get me out of here that's going to end up getting you in here. And I think that's really uh, a protective way that we should be towards each other. Um, I understand you want to help me, but if you helping you is going to end up making it just as bad or you're going to be as worse off as me, then I don't want you to help me. I'd rather you didn't help me in a situation like that. Um, so I thought this was one of the, you know, the better scenes. And then we talk about Lorenz Tate, Fountain of Youth. Same thing with these two dudes. Meth and Redman both in it. Uh, they, they may be just about 50. But if you told me they both was 35, 36 years old, I believe it. Yeah. They we must make you stay young <laughs> because they look fantastic. Um and I, I and even though, you know, we most used to seeing them as like uh comedies how high and, and, and joking around, they got great chemistry no matter what the situation is, and I can see why they friends. Um because on camera they they just got really great chemistry together. Um, so I, I really enjoyed this scene, even though it didn't give a lot of story to what's going on, you know, in the as it relates to the people we care about in power. Uh, but it is setting up maybe some long term thing that we can kind of see 
what's going to happen. I totally agree. Um, I also got to add probably one of the most well-acted scenes of the episode. Um, props to, to Method on just doing a really good job of, you know, being a bit more than the Davis that we know. Like showing some some character depth. Um, as well as Red for, you know, delivering what few lines he has with a lot of, like, some weight to him. You know what I mean? He did the funny stuff the first time we're introduced to him, but he did a really good job of just kind of what he was given. Like, he did a really good job. And, and again, this this all plays into, or excuse me, it's all enhanced by the the, the chemistry that these two share um, and probably just knowing how to play off of each other. Uh, but, yeah, I really do want to know what his brother, was his brother like, they call him like Theodore or Theo? I don't know. I can't. I don't remember. I'm the only starting me to lie. I have an IMDMB. But yeah, I do hope we do get a decent amount of backstory, not just a quick, you know, Davis kind of glossing over it a little bit and bullet points. Like, I, I kind of want to know about it. Like, because the characters outside of, you know, him outside of the courtroom and the courtroom stuff, like, this scene definitely added a bit more depth to Davis McLean. Right. More than just a so, money... A money hungry cheating attorney. He right. actually had some feelings in the heart. Yeah, exactly. So we cut to the next morning, and Tariq, battered and bruised, finally brings his girl's car back. Right. Um, and unfortunately has missed the the apartment showing. And you know, she took one look at his face and was like, "Yeah, no, this isn't happening." Um. And then Lauren decides to kind of go hard. She went real hard for him um, by letting her, letting him use his her brother's place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, "Damn, this is a big, big gesture." And I was also like, "Damn, Tariq is gonna fuck around and ruin this girl's life if we're if they're not careful." Um, but in the midst of the the conversation. Uh, and I think this was a really, this is really well done uh, dialogue. I, uh, the dialogue was really well done in where it's not obvious. Like she doesn't just start randomly asking like a bunch of out of the norm, out of the blue questions about Brayden. Uh, their their natural conversation gives them enough to to get into his dorm room, which mm-hmm. I thought that was really well done. That they also spoke on that. That it's like, yeah. We don't necessarily need a warrant. Like this is enough for the for them to let us in his room. Um, how did you? What did you feel about that scene? Oh, man, I don't. I real quick, I didn't think about the legality of that. Like when you're in college, do you own the room? I mean, you rent in the room technically, but couldn't the campus just let anybody go in your room if you're in college? I have to look that up. I think like <laughs> if they if they're presented with enough suspicion. I, I guess so. Can. I mean, technically, I guess it's like anything. Because I think technically, no, no, no. Uh, let's sidebar. We're going to figure it out and come back next week. Um, but as far <laughs> as the scene, um, like, yeah, this is, I mean, one, it's really crazy that Lauren is making these grand gestures. And I guess you, you know, you've been interested in Tariq for a couple of weeks. But in terms of them really dating, but they've been dating about not even two weeks. And you already doing these grand things for somebody. So I think it, it was extreme, but it, I, I think it just kind of. I guess supposed to tie to her good nature or, or them trying to set her up as this good natured woman or, or young lady. Um, 
And then the, the sad part is when she's giving him this, she unknowingly is also setting him up. Like she yeah. she's she's his downfall because they're gonna use what Tariq says in the scene where he's so adamant that Brayden never knew Jabari. Uh Brayden definitely wasn't involved in anything like that. Um to to further this thing that Tariq was the one that's involved. Um so you know, while she thought she was helping him, she was really hurting him the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which is tragic. Um, and I think I think part of what really swept her in was her already kind of having her, I don't know if it's her her line of morals and ethics and what she deems is important as far as family and him letting her see that despite his flakiness, he does love his sister. And I think that's what, even still though, I think it was a reach that she would actually go to those lengths. Um, and I glad, I'm glad that she said that like I was going I was thinking of doing this but I know how you are but even still that that's a reach in itself like that's a huge gesture um I think the fact that him showing up busted up kind of sold it for her mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I'm kind of there with you it's, it's definitely a big gesture and it's also like kind of ties into the whole you know which we'll get in a little deeper into just the overall theme of karma and that your deeds will, you know, come back to haunt you, uh, full circle. Um, he's running a drug king. He's running a drug ring on campus. Uh, his drugs were used or his drugs were purchased by her friend. Her friend left his drugs in her drawer. Mm -hmm. The police pick her up. They push her for info, force her to wear her wire and her, her wire is what gets him Intro. caught up. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, so it's just nuts. It's just nuts. So speaking of nuts, we get a quick scene of Kane versus Monet where we, we're getting Kane just putting his foot down like, look, like you. And this is this is something that we talked about in season one. It's like. This is it, literally kind of a callback to I am what you made me, but this time it's on her. And, you know, the whole karma thing, like everything that you've been trying to do and your actions have not, you know, they've they've been kind of biting you in the butt. And we she finds out later. But like her her stranglehold on her children, Kane, especially where he's he's her he's her her gun, but also her son. And he, he never figured out where he stood. Uh, has come back to haunt her, and that's why she's in. She's been in the tight spot that she's she's been in, um, and she just. Oh, right. He he pretty much tells her that like, yeah, I know that. And this was also another another well played scene. He's like, yeah, I know you sent Tariq to follow me, and you could have got him killed, and that had been on your hands. He's now beat the fuck up because of you. You sent him to follow me. You don't know what I'm into. Therefore. His bruises are on your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you feel about that scene between the two of them? And go ahead and lead into the the next scene at the courthouse. Oh yeah, so, so like I said, it, it, I think this really was a powerful scene between uh, Kane and Monet, and, and like I said, it, it, it kind of goes into that dynamic of them from the start. It's like it, it's hard to treat and love somebody as your kid when you're raising them to also be a killer, um, because you know to really you can't really give them full love when you're raising them to be ruthless. And I don't think Monet knows how to kind of properly buy. I don't know if she really knows how to love anybody because she's not particularly good to any of her kids. Even the one that she 
her love child Zeke. She's never even that nice to him either. Um, so I don't know if she knows how to. But sorry, I'm going down a tangent on that. No, um, no, that's a fair point. Expand, expand. Because I'm just, you know, I'm just starting to think about how she like interacts with people. And we were talking about if can Mecca love her? I don't know. If she could love anybody because she doesn't seem to love her children. She only uses them to her end. She doesn't really seem to love her husband. Um, once again, I think she kind of uses him to, to prop her own power. And even the son that she's supposedly treating better because she doesn't involve him in the life that she does her other kids, she only do, only doesn't do that because she wants to use him to get herself out of the game and set herself up financially. So I don't think she does anything for anybody that's not out of her own selfish desires. So I don't know if Monet does love anybody. I mean, other than herself. So that's crazy. Hopefully we'll find out within the coming weeks. Right. Um, and But then, you know, that was a powerful scene between them. And then they lead into the scene where, once again, she got her gun on her lap. She's threatening him. And this is one of the ones, the whole time I'm thinking, like, is she, like, if I'm Tariq, I just get off the car because she's not going to shoot me in front of the schoolhouse. Right. Um, so it's just kind of dumb to do it. Um, but, you know, I think this really flipped her and kind of really made her decision uh, in the next couple of seasons with Mecca more easier because she did, in this scene, she learns all the truths about the family she thought she had so much control over. Uh, one, her daughter, who she thinks is her most loyal, stole all her money, robbed her, um, and let her kill a man for it. Uh, her middle son is constantly lying behind her back and betraying her by still being involved with somebody who could possibly betray the family, or her, her eyes has betrayed the family by even bringing up their name to the police. And then her oldest son, uh, once again, is is as much as he tried to comes to her, she always pushes him away, and he's starting to kind of get the upper hand over her. Uh, so I think in this scene she realizes all those things happen at once and that made her decision with Mecca later in the, later in the episode a lot easier because Monet I think maybe realized she's running out of options she's not the head of this family the way it's going to be um, and especially in the last scene she knows that those days are pretty much done but what you think about uh, the Tariq and her car interaction thing I'm on the same page um, She, I thought that man it was it, that's one way to, to, to get through to someone. Uh, I thought it was, that was harsh. Like when she was like, all right, well, but to teach you a lesson, I'm going to take your sister away, which I was like, that's rough with everything he's been through. And that little girl is in a, in a tough position. And she was really like, okay, well you keep lying to me. So I'm going to take, I'm going to sever what you've been working so hard for. Mm -hmm. And that's your connection to your sister. I'm going to let her go into foster care, which is fucked up as it seems. That's what I, I feel. That's how I feel I need to get my point across. And the fact that, and this was this was pretty much up to this, for the, for the majority of this season, this showed what his top priority was. And that's, that's yes. Yes has been his top priority these past four episodes, four or five episodes. And it really clicked because he went nuclear. He said, fuck everybody else. I'll burn this place to the ground for my sister, mm -hmm. which I thought was a really nice touch. Um, but yeah, he burned everyone. They gave him like every secret. And normally Tariq would have held something in his back pocket. Exactly. And they see in, a, in the future, Jane. But like the fact that he felt that that's what he had to do. Like I was like, okay, he's yeah, he's ready to cut ties because his sister is the most important thing to him right now. Mm -hmm. um, and she was hot. Like, she was she was super hot. 
because it's like he's absolutely right. All of this happened right under my nose. Um, all the all the while, the badge gets found, uh, which was tough because I thought they were gonna gloss over it for a second there. That's yeah, um, they made it seem like it was oh well, let's leave. Right, I would have I would have I would have enjoyed that swerve too, of like you know we get a flashback and he find he found it and then moved it or something like that but nope the badge has been found um so from there uh we get monet pretty much doing what i the the opposite of what i thought she was going to do i was ready for her to to link up with the fam and just start blasting people verbally and possibly literally uh but no she goes to mecca and it sounded like she was ready to cash out I think, you know, she listened to his proposal and was like, I've considered your options. And, um, yeah. I Not only am I ready to get out of this, but I'm also ready to let you see your son mm-hmm. in time. I got to tell him. I got to tell him. Right. You know, let me let me take care of that first. Um, and this gives way to very well done scene in, in, in its entirety. Tariq gets arrested. <laughs> it was very dramatic, though. Like they arrested him in like the middle of campus. Literally, literally every student was on the quad watching. Right. There's a lot going on in this scene. The like, Carrie was like, "Don't look at him," and Laura was like, "Tariq," and she was like, "No, he made his bed." It was just a lot going on. Yeah, it's like they picked That's the perfect time to arrest this kid. Right, and I, it hurt because he had just gotten his sister. Right, and I was like. Damn. Seemed like everything was going perfect for him. He had, you know, figured out his life. He had this new apartment. He got his woman. He got his little sister. Um, you know, things are looking up for him. And then he lost everything in a second. Like that fast. That fast. It, it was it was a crushing blow. Okay. So we gotta talk about this before we finish out the episode. Mm-hmm. While sitting in jail, his <laughs> attorney Elvin getting another check. Exactly. Um, <laughs> speaking of showing up getting another check, uh, shout out to Rashad Tate for being in three seconds <laughs> looking shocked. Oh, he was in this episode. <laughs> no, he was in the court. He was when he was talking about karma. Oh, yeah. Because he, he tried to talk so and she shut his ass up because so she wanted to get had, us a reek. Yeah, he probably had at most 10 seconds of screen time and he got hey, get paid. Hey, yeah, hey, I think they still pay you no matter what. To get your got quote. paid. So um, while sitting in there, his attorney gives him an envelope that was instructed to give to him, to be given to him from his father, if by chance he was put in jail. Um, he said arrest for homicide. But, yeah. My or way, for being uh, for accused homicide. of murder. Yeah. To which said letter reads, oh, man. It's like you're right where I thought you'd be. You're right where you belong. Uh, man. What, what were your thoughts before I give my thoughts? Uh, I mean, I was like, Ghost is very petty. Because you, 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 you said it in a nice way. He didn't, you know, it was, it was worded a little bit more differently than that. Um, you remember it, go for it. I, I, I don't I, remember I, it word for word, but he was like, uh, look at you now, little nigga. nigga. You're right where you belong. 
something uh, along that line. Uh, it was a little, yeah. But basically, I mean, the pettiness of your dad <laughs> that he would give you such a note um, when he knows that if you were arrested for homicide, you were probably facing your hardest and roughest time. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of petty, uh, but it, it kind of falls in line with what Ghost was trying to do in this last season, where he was trying to do everything in his power to get to reach to see the light of day and not try to not be bad. He pulled a gun on the boy. He tried. He threatened to beat him. He uh, showed him the dangers of being in the game. He did everything he could to try to persuade his son not to go down this dark path. And all it led to him was being uh, killed himself. Um, so, um, you know, I'm not shocked he would do it, but I, I was just thinking, dog, that's a petty bitch. That's one petty ass move to do. <laughs> Uh, and his face looked very hurt by his oh daddy's letter. And the crazy thing was, especially with what we know of the the last season of Power, um, the book one. I think he was on the path. He was trying to get on the path of getting to a point with Tariq where he could change that. Where he was like, "All right, all right. I think he's. I think I got through to him. Let's get this shit out of here." Like I'm pretty sure that all that went in with with you know the whole drug thing you know when he found out he was running pills and running with um with with you know with the, with the with the Italians and whatnot and he was i think all this went in when he was like full on and getting kicked out of choke like he was full on into like bad boy mode and not bad boy as in like cool bad boy like just a little asshole teenager mode and he was i think he really and you could tell in his his um just in his interactions with him in that that last season, like he was Ghost was genuinely trying to fix things with Tariq. People love to you know throw throw mud on on Ghost, um, which you know a lot of it is deserved. But like I think people love you know riding a train, and it's it's easy to do, especially on Twitter and, and other social media platforms. You get enough people, uh, you get a person with a, a, a hot enough. A hot take and it gets enough likes people will, will ride with you mm -hmm. i genuinely think ghost was was working on repairing a lot of relationships in that last season which is why i was so pissed that um Tariq was the one who killed him um but yeah like i the ghost who got shot probably didn't want that that envelope to still be there like i think you know, he was on his way to like thinking he was really getting through to Tariq, mm -hmm. um, because obviously this all, you know, the way book one ends, it's like he doesn't get the idea to, you know, tell him maybe you should take the bid, you know, take the time for jail. You know, he he didn't come up with that idea and then immediately go change his will. Like, here, put this little envelope in here. Like, now nah, this is clearly from a while ago. Uh, this is back when things are were really hot, and he was on the outside with his entire family. Um, but yeah, that was. I guess we're not getting that. Um, we probably not gonna get that. Uh, <laughs> that ghost vision, the ghost apparition. Yeah, I saw online. I mean, they didn't even want to cut the check from the, the voiceover. Cause I want. I, I so wanted to see hear voices. Uh, sorry, Ghost's voice. Uh -huh. Read the line, but it's just Tariq. So I was like, man, they ain't want to cut no check for. Um, Hardwick, just for that's, you know, five seconds of work. They should have cut that check because that's what would have made it. That would have made it even more powerful. Been, yeah, that's what, I was voice. waiting for it. I was waiting for it. That, that would have made it even more powerful. Like I was, you know, I figured they maybe would have like showed us on, you know, with the letters, 
what the letter said and like had us read it, mm-hmm. which was which still would have been pretty powerful. But like to have Omari Hardwick's voice come on and say, "It's right where you belong, little nigga." Yeah, I was waiting for it. And like it didn't come. Yeah, that that's a missed opportunity. You cut that check, like you cut that check. Um. So yeah, Tariq's in jail, and this gives way to our final scene with uh, Monet approaching the house and. You know, you're thinking, because it's, it's hard to tell by her body language. It's like, okay, is she going to start slinging fire? Or is she going to, like, be apologetic and be like, okay, so here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this guy who wants to take care of us, and y'all might be able to have a normal life. Um, as well as, you know, also, by the way, Zeke is not your cousin. He's your brother cousin, something like that. But no, that gives way to shock and awe. Lorenzo is out. Which, again... A lot of times this this show just kind of asks you to, you know, they'll just they'll toss a gift basket in front of you and they'll be like, here, take this. Like, who ordered this? Don't worry about it. OK, like, is there anything I'm in there? I'm allergic. No, don't worry about it. Just here's this basket. I need you to be OK with it. Mm-hmm. We called it that. Yes, the janky lawyers were going to get him out. But could you could you have shown a little bit of the work? Just a little bit. Right. Just a t- just a tiny bit. Like, I, I, we didn't need the whole proceeding, but, like, just something. It was a phone call, and the next thing you know, he's home. That's worth making noise about. Like, they, at some point, when they come back, in one of these episodes, they have to, they have to, like, show some sort of uh, news article or news uh, headline or something where it's like, yes, um, dangerous criminal or former criminal Lorenzo Tejada released out on technicality like it has to be spoken on like that's not like that's big that's super big they'll probably do it in the next episode because he's gonna have to explain to Monet how he got out um which was kind of one of the biggest things I was thinking about in this you know as this scene played out um is the fact that uh, he's out but he didn't he didn't notify her like he didn't right tell her that it was a possibility he was getting out so who does he think hired these lawyers well maybe the lawyers told him it was your daughter and now he's you know what was what was the point of surprising Monet in this situation so I'm curious to see how their dynamic is going to be down if they both free um, because it was very odd that he didn't notify his wife that he might be getting out of jail right and that's where the scene ends Just end that was a lot <laughs> I mean, it was a good episode. There's a lot going on. Like I said, you know, you can always find little things to nitpick here and there. Uh, but for the most part, every every scene had meaningful meaning to it. It wasn't a lot of fluffer scenes. It wasn't a lot of wasted storyline or a lot of wasted screen time just to pad the episode. Uh, it had a lot of good twists and turns. Um, it kept you on the edge of your seat. Um, and it set up for a, a lot of possible things moving forward. Uh, we got still the Tariq uh, drama. Uh, or, or the Tariq pending, whatever it may be when it comes to this murder case. Um, we got Lorenzo being home and how that affects the Sahara family. Is she still going to go with Mecca? Is Lorenzo and Mecca setting up to be the fight of the rest of the season? How's the family going to react when all the real secrets are revealed about Zeke and her about to run away with the guy and all the stuff? So it's a lot of stuff that can be set up for the second half of the season. Uh, so it's a good midpoint. Um, and I don't hate that they're giving us two weeks to catch our breath when they give us a strong episode like this to kind of go off on. Indeed. I uh, I have 
nothing but you know nothing to add to that like it this is gonna be nuts um they did it right and they they brought us up to the top of the roller coaster and we're gonna spend the next two weeks teetering ready to ride it back down um into these last five um yeah again like just karma like all of his all of his deeds um which is nuts because he didn't kill Ramirez but like I guess there's well no they, they found the badge so it's like they they have reason to think he killed Ramirez but um and I, I don't think they have any evidence that he killed anybody right now I think he's just the main he's just person the main person. Yeah, yeah between the book uh, his connection to Reynolds knowing who he was um the badge being even though he, there's no connection no you know to hit no connection to Ramirez other than the badge being in his office. He he's too involved that they, you know, had at least enough evidence to arrest him. Uh my only concern with the Tariq and arresting is that we saw this in the first series when Ghost was under arrest for murder. And I don't know and, and for me that was some of the worst episodes of the series when Ghost was in jail and they were just kind of going through this legal proceeding. Uh, it, that that was very, very boring. So I, I don't know how long they can keep my interest, especially when it, as it relates to Tariq's storyline, if he's in jail and he's not free on the streets to kind of do his willing and dealing and his chess playing. Uh, so I hope I, I'm very, that's the, the, the one storyline that I am most nervous that they won't be able to kind of fully execute. I think the Tahada soap opera mess got, it's impossible to mess that up because there's just so much drama and juiciness in that. But the Tariq in jail thing, I don't know if they're going to be able to execute that properly. So that's what I'm most nervous about. What you think for the second half? What you think? Predictions? Um, thoughts? I think this. Go ahead. I was just saying, what's your predictions? What's your thoughts? How do you think they're going to top the end of this first half by giving us a, a good second half? Um, well, we know we know he beats it because he has to. Um, which, you know, is going to set up a whole new dynamic when he does eventually return to campus. I am curious as to whether or not this is going to affect his, um, his like, the legal stuff of his money like if he graduates or like once he graduates or like is there no there no like loophole on that like he you know as long as he graduates he gets the money like yeah i, I can't remember it was a caveat about signed. legal stuff if right. you got a I, I can't remember that part but i know he right. had to at least finished school right so my main theory uh, you know because like you said the tahada stuff is is easy my main theory is this is what this is what sets up uh, Tate's. Like, I think this is where the influence quotation marks uh, come into play. Um, between him and the janky lawyers, granted, the janky lawyers should be nowhere near this case. Like, granted, no, he already represented Tariq's family. So, yeah, the janky lawyers should be near it. Sachs probably sh won't, won't will resist, but... I think well, you saw Davis got a call. We didn't really talk about it because it was just like a quick scene when they was kind of yeah. doing the Tariq procession. But somebody calls Davis, gives him some news, and he's immediately heading the taxi. Now that that uh, and, and you know they could be giving us like a red herring and making us seem as connected to Tariq because they've been giving us the montage of him getting arrested. Yeah. Uh, but it could be something about his brother. It That's be, what you I was know, thinking. Whole yeah. host of things. I was thinking it was. A, I think it's a swerve, and it's going to be like his brother's like either doing really bad. Um, well, no, I think his brother's doing really bad because they need to stretch his use for sacks. Um, but yeah, I think this is what's going to give way to to Tate 
getting um his show and what's gonna you know him using the the publicity of Tariq's trial to amass influence and get what he wants um but yeah we're we gonna get the we're gonna get back to the streets clearly uh with Lorenzo back out what are, you have any particular theories uh no like I said I, I don't know um I, of course I think Tariq is gonna beat it at some point I just want, I'm curious how long they're gonna drag it out but the show doesn't really work with him being in jail um I, but as far as I think they may be setting up the downfall of Braden though uh, I don't know if Tariq is going to find a way to kind of rope Braden into it so he takes the fall instead of him uh, or the downfall of Braden in the sense that Tariq confesses Braden that Kane set him up and then Braden tries to kind of get some information from Kane or something like that and Kane ends up killing him something like that but I think this might lead to something bad happening to Braden before the end of the season this whole arrest thing with him being involved with the room yeah at the very least he's got another at least one more ass whooping on tab mm-hmm. um I could definitely see that. I um, I would hope they wouldn't kill him, not because like he's a favorite or anything like that. I think that'd just be a bit much to right. you know to kill this this college kid that's super tight with Tariq. Uh, maybe a fallout, but and there's gonna be some fallout because some of this could have been avoided if they'd have you know like actually talked to each other. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see what happens next. Uh. Any final thoughts before we get up out of here? Nah, they, they came strong. This was a good episode. Uh, Definitely. Loved it. Um, anything for you? No, you know where to find us. You can find him where? PLP Podcast at most places, Instagram. Uh, I, I mean, it's on a bunch of different ones, but you can mainly find it on SoundCloud, of course, and then Spotify. Those are the best places to find. Uh, and Apple, if you got an Apple, Apple Podcast. Right. What about you? Where can they find the Triple D? They can find Triple D at O-F-F-T-H-A Clock Pod pretty much everywhere on social medias. Um, and uh, yeah, hit us up. Like, Let us know what you guys think. Let us know what you're most excited about. Who dropped the ball? Uh, who's the strongest you know, actor this season? Um, what do you want to see change? What do you want to see different? Uh, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, and all that good stuff. All right. So as always, I am Triple D. And this is Carlos Z. We'll see you guys next time.